When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Thursday, December 17th. We are recording this on Wednesday, and there is some news here to report. It does appear that we are likely to get a stimulus bill. Oh, my God. Gosh, it only took them, let's think, August, September, October, November, just five months to do this. That's it, five months. Some reporting out of D.C. by some of my colleagues at CBS News that uh, really does start to lend some credence to the fact that there is something going to be done. So here's what it looks like. We don't know exactly, but this is what's taking shape. So uh, essentially, it's about a $900 billion dollars. There will be an extension of unemployment benefits from the federal government, about $300 per person. Looks like 16 weeks of additional coverage, which is great because clearly the economy is not going to change very dramatically in the next four months. We're going to have people who are sidelined. And it does look like there's going to be one of those stimulus checks, the the amount, I'm interested. I mean, everyone had thought it was going to be 1200 but now it does look like it's going to be $600 per person. No mention here about anything for kids, so we'll have to see about that. I thought was quite interesting is it may not include any money to states or cities, and that's going to be concerning to economists, but hey, something's better than nothing. And that's good. Supposedly, Congress is closing up shop on Friday, but I don't know. They might have to stick around a little bit longer, but it does appear that that is quite good news. It's even better news because we got this report on retail sales for November, and it was not a good report. Retail sales dropped by 1.1% in November. It's the second monthly decline since April the first occurred after the data for October were revised lower. Core retail sales, that kind of pulls out some of the wacky stuff like some of the vehicle stuff. That was not good. In fact, uh, down about a half a percent. So think about this. This is a period of time where we are looking at Black Friday. And frankly, we had a record-breaking surge on Black Friday, and that weekend was very big. We still really did not get enough spending otherwise. So some bright spots, building, material, garden stores. As far as I'm concerned, this uh, if there wasn't proof before, this is more proof that we need to get that stimulus bill passed. We need people to get help, and the economy is going to need it as well. So, with that said, let's get on to the show. If you've got a financial question, send us an email. Our email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com. That's what Lara did. She writes, my boyfriend and I are two professionals living in Queens, New York. We make about $217,000 combined. He has $140,000 in a brokerage account and cash 
$50,000 in retirement. I have $120,000 in brokerage and cash, $130,000 in retirement. We both max out our 401ks and Roth IRAs, and we're investing more in those brokerage accounts with every paycheck. Sounds like a good plan. So far, so good. Okay, my boyfriend now has his eyes on property. We went to see a co-op. The price recently dropped to $330,000. Unfortunately, we don't think we can afford to buy in our current neighborhood, which we love, but we do find it a little noisy. Should we buy? How much of a house can we afford? Is it better to keep investing aggressively in stocks and rent, or should we try to build equity in a home, but still be on the hook for homeowners and property tax, et cetera? We want to keep our monthly housing costs to $2,500 a month. We pay $2,000 a month in rent now, plus utilities, and I don't want to sacrifice quality of life. Here is my feeling about this. You know, if you are doing really well and renting and socking away money, that's great. If you'd like to buy, the amount that you can afford is pretty discernible. All you have to do is go get pre-approved, talk to a mortgage broker and figure out how much you'd want to put down and afford that house. You don't have to actually put down a ton of money, put your 20% down and see if you can make it work. I wouldn't feel like you should sacrifice at all because frankly, in this moment, uh, you probably can get pretty good rent. And I would wait. I think that in the New York area, we've yet to see the the kind of ultimate shakeout in the market. So I'd be patient and I'd keep looking and see what comes up. You cannot go wrong living in New York and having rent of $2,000 a month. Here is another housing question from Tony who says, I listen to your podcast every morning. And when the question comes in about paying off your mortgage early, I say about 99% of the time you say, don't do it. But I feel like I might be in the 1% category. I already started to double my payments each month. So if it's not the right thing to do, I'll stop it as soon as possible. So Tony, look, I don't know if you're in the 1%. You know, I really think the 1% of people who should think about paying off their mortgages are the people who have a ton of money in cash, it's earning zero, they hate risk, and they want to pay down their mortgage. Is that you? If that is you, maybe, maybe it's okay. But I think that it would be incumbent upon you to prove to yourself like why you're really doing it. And if you want to send us more details, we're happy to look at your situation. Maybe you are in that 1%. All right, Buddy writes, I love your podcast. Thanks for all you do. Here's my background. 60 years old, wife is 56. We both retired this year, although we only worked part-time all last year. There's no debt. The mortgage fully paid off. House is worth 300 grand. Kids are grown and self-sufficient. That's kind of great. Here's the family net worth, $2.5 million dollars. 2.1 in investments in cash, no pensions. We both have term life insurance, currently using former employers Cobra for health, dental, vision for 18 months. Then they're going to buy insurance on the private market. They've got wills. They've got end of life paperwork. Health is good. Average annual spend, $75,000. Okay. We have our 2.1 allocated using a bucket strategy of two years of annual spend, In cash, 10 years to conservative investments, 20 years to the stock market. Okay, that seems fine. I like that. I love that bucket approach. It's just like a different marketing thing, you know, like it's in buckets. Okay, that's fine. Our investments are through Schwab's intelligent portfolio and also with Vanguard, with the exception of the two years of cash, which are mainly in taxable rollover 401ks. My wife is a CPA. I was laughing because I got to that point. I'm like, this is 
Jerry, like to the dot. Fantastic. She understands the tax implications of drawdowns from taxable accounts. We had a financial plan created through a Schwab certified financial planner and the retirement cash flow based on our retirement goals indicates we're on track. Okay. Even though the Schwab CFP and my wife indicate we're okay, and I do trust their opinion, I'm a worrier by nature, (laughs) and the move from a saver to a spender has me freaked out. So I need your advice and opinion. Are we really in good shape? Okay, you got $2.1 million, right? And first of all, the plan looks good, okay? If you said to me, I have $2.1 million, and, uh, you know, you've got, I presume you'll be collecting Social Security at some point in the next five years or so. And so if you're both earners and, you know, maybe your total Social Security, each of you will, you know, be 40 or 50 grand. And even if we took a teeny tiny reduced amount of like a, a, a withdrawal rate of maybe 2%, I do think you're probably just fine. But here's something that I would advise you to do, buddy. If you're really freaked out, what about just trying to do a little part-time work anyway? And maybe that's something that would be helpful for you as you consider what your next steps could be. I just think that a lot of people don't really understand that transition to go from saving to withdrawing and and they can do a number on your head. Maybe if you had a little bit of part-time income, it would feel better. I don't know. Just consider that. Okay. Michael writes, hi, Jill. I'm a big fan. I've been listening to the podcast since the first episode. Oh, that's so cool. And he goes on to say, I appreciate your insights, your expertise, and the fun and friendly way you present it. You are a personal finance treasure. Seems weird to say that about myself, Mark. See, that's when you should be reading these. Okay. Michael says he's got a question about an old 401k with Fidelity. It's through an employer he left six years ago. And he says, I've kept this 401k in place because it seems to do well with higher rates of return compared to my other retirement accounts. I'd like to continue with it, but I'm concerned because the employer it was through is now in bankruptcy and is in a dying industry. If the company were to go out of business, would this impact my old 401 account in any way? No, but it might be a pain in the ass. Okay. There's no company stock in the account. I'm just asking if the account structure and or provider could change. Yeah, it could. You know, he's got 50 grand in the account, 35% of his total retirement savings. He's got a traditional and a Roth IRA with Betterment, which he rolled over with other 401ks, 40, no plans to retire anytime soon. I would just roll this thing over. If you like Fidelity, just roll it into an IRA with Fidelity. The the money is protected, but um, dealing with change of the custodian could be a pain in the neck. And you can just wait to see what happens, but you should be absolutely fine. So I would not worry. Okay, good. Donald writes, let's see, he is 68, semi-retired. He's going to wait till 70 to take Social Security. He says, I don't like the stock performance he's had over the years. He said it's a 3% return. And he says, I'm not comfortable with volatility. So he started this account in 2012, 1.1 million. And then as of December, he had 990 grand currently now all in cash. Our decision, not theirs. So they did take some money out. It looks like they pulled out about $68,000. Does not account for this. I don't understand what has happened. Because it looks to me like, did something change? Like, look at 2013, 14, 15, 16. Like, 
the rates of return are really low for those first four years relative to the performance of the markets. Did you change your outlook? Did you start as an extremely conservative investor and then tell them to go more balanced? Did something change? This doesn't look right to me. I know you're not, you say you're not comfortable with volatility. Look, I I don't know what to tell you. There's something very strange about the performance in the first four years that you were invested with them. That's my two cents that I think there's something strange there. So I wonder, did you change something? Did you not? But either way, you're not comfortable with this. You're not happy with this. So I would suggest that what you do is to go get a second opinion and figure out if there's somebody else out there who would look at your portfolio and understand, you know, what you've done and get, get, get uh, some competition for these people. And maybe then let us know how you do. We have a great resource on our website. If you go to jillonmoney.com and you go to resources, we have the questions you should ask a financial planner or advisor or money manager. Okay, that's it, Mark. God, it's another show. It's in the can. It's so beautiful. If you have a financial question, you can always reach us. It's askjill at jillonmoney.com. Guys, this virus is, I know the vaccinations have started. That's great. We've got to be so careful. Please, everyone, be very, very careful. Can you do that for us? It would be so great. Do it for yourself. Do it for your friends. Do it for your family. Do it from your your fellow Americans. Please wash your hands and wear your masks and maintain your physical distancing and uh, do something nice for someone today. Okay? We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.